Christmas from OperaCast, your one-stop shop for all the latest opera news, reviews, interviews and general chit-chat. I'm David Ward. This month is our review of the year and what an extraordinarily challenging but also often strangely uplifting operatic year it has been. For our last part of 2020, I'm delighted to be joined by the director Emma Black. Hello Emma. Hi David. How are you? Yes, very well. Actually feeling quite Christmassy today, so yes, thank you for having me. That's what we like to hear. And also joining us is the conductor, Helen Harrison. Good afternoon to you, Helen. Hi, David. It's really nice to be here. Nice to see Emma again. I think we did a pod quite a while back, so it's it's nice to see you again. Now, because in this episode we have our bumper opera quiz of the year, we're going to play the quiz throughout today's episode oh. rather than at the end. For the benefit of radio, you just need to know, uh, audience, that um, at that, that point, both Emma and I put our head in place in our hands. <laughs> no, I am I am going to have to ask Emma and Helen to get their brains into gear fairly early on in today's um, pod recording. Um, and also to keep your answers to yourselves, because we'll go through the answers at the end, but we'll ask the questions throughout. Please do play along at home and let us know your scores. So we're going to start with round one. So we're going to get started straight away. Pen and paper at the ready. Here are your first questions, the opera cast quiz of the year. Question one, which company started 2020 embroiled in a row over their Great Britain marketing campaign? So which company started 2020 embroiled in a row over their Great Britain marketing campaign? Question two. Which superstar singer blocked OperaCast on Twitter following early 2020 controversy? <laughs> that was which superstar singer blocked OperaCast on Twitter following early 2020 controversy? Question three. Two world-renowned singers responded to lockdown by live streaming themselves singing Werther from home. Name either of those singers. So two world-renowned singers responded to lockdown by live streaming them singing along to Werther from home. Name either of those singers. Question four. Which opera company commissioned a feast in the time of plague this summer? So which company commissioned a feast in the time of plague this summer? And question five. If you've been uh, listening to your opera casts this year, you'll know the answer to this one. Seemingly unassuming opera fan Phyllis Brissenden left $45 million in her will to which North American opera company? So the seemingly unassuming opera fan Phyllis Brissenden left $45 million in her will to which North American opera company? And that's round one. It's very, very oh. stern faces on the uh, I know. The I feel like I kind of got that feeling when you were at school, it was a spelling test. <laughs> it kind of feels a little bit like that with the, the intensity. Good. So that's round one. Three more rounds go later on in today's pot. Let's 
let's go on in then into the uh, some of the latest news uh, to come out over the past month or so, starting with the government's Cultural Recovery Fund. Uh, they continue to uh, splash the cash. Uh, latest awards include £21.7 million to the Royal Opera House and £8.5 million to English National Opera to help them through the COVID crisis. Um, should be said that this is loan financed on very, very favourable terms, but serious millions being ploughed into these companies. Um, now, Helen, they call it the recovery fund, but I think really it's the trying not to go under fund. You know, is that all we need right now just to keep things afloat? Is it is it serving its purpose? It's a it's always as ever a complicated picture, isn't it? So I think there's been various tranches of, of funding which will will be welcomed. And obviously so many companies, of course, are not just relying on funding. They've been restructuring, reorganising all the work as much as they can. I think um the loan funding is is good. Speaking as a in a past life an accountant, you know it's twenty repayment periods. So there's plenty of time to look at that. Um, they don't have to do anything about looking to pay it back four years. So at least it's breathing space. But I, I still think one of the big questions that will be asked is is how much of that money is going to help freelancers who are still struggling to be supported. Uh, I think thirty percent of the figure of um, musicians that was on the figures from the NU haven't received anything and also on the back of last I think it was just yesterday Rishi extended the furlough to late to April um, and we all know and I think we can all speak for this we know that so many companies have done everything they can but obviously it's all the mechanics of how and the accountancy of a lot of how these things work so it's good to support but then obviously this was all announced just before the um, the, the tier three lockdown, which is going to again impact companies who were hoping they wouldn't be impacted by those restrictions. So, as ever, it's a fast moving picture. I didn't ask you on today because of your accountancy head, but it's always very useful <laughs> that um, the, the numbers. Yeah, sorry about that. Yeah. No, it's, it's good. It's good for us opera people to get the numbers perspective. Um, now, Emma, I, I saw on Twitter the other day you received a score in the post, uh, which is very, very exciting. Are, are you kind of, from a personal perspective, feeling a bit more optimistic about, about what's coming after the new year? Um, so yes and no, obviously. Um, so I have I've received a score from a company, um, but they've not actually yet announced to the public what it is and what what we're doing. Um, so I'm not quite sure. You know, I if I actually if if it happens, it'll be amazing. But I'm very much um, it's, it, I'm very hopeful, but it's not by no means set set in stone. <laughs> um, but I just I think looking ahead. It's really, it's really tricky because as Helen said, it's so fast moving and things change all the time. So London, uh, which is where I, I live, um, the theatre land sort of started to reopen last week um, between lockdown two ending. But obviously we're now in tier three as of Wednesday. So shows opened, I think maybe five nights and then suddenly Tuesday night, just everything shut. And like, things like, you know, not just opera, but pantos and musicals and, and plays and it's really disheartening um, because I understand things have to move quickly and safety is, is a priority. But I think theatres especially can be one of the safest places to be because they've managed it so brilliantly. Um, so, and people are out there and they're, and they're, creating, they're creating the work and there is, there is definitely a need to, to, to see it. But it's, you know, I didn't think when when things shut in March, and I was in the middle of a show in March. When things shut, I did not think we would still be having these discussions <laughs> at Christmas. So yeah. Yeah, I mean, it seems extraordinary when we did um, 
I show over the, the summer, um, Emma, to think that we would be kind of where, where we are now when things in August sort of seem to be going along quite nicely. Um, mm. I think what, what gets me again thinking about the, the outdoor performance we did in August, the amount of uh, forms I had to fill in and all of the plans that we had to do to kind of make sure it was safe. And that, and that was outdoors. Um, you <laughs> yeah. know, theatre is bending over backwards to, to, to make it to make it safe and, and, and make it happen. So it is it's really disheartening for things to close. Um, we should also say to, to international listeners here in the UK, we have a three tier system, depending on where you live, depends on which tier you're in. Tier three is the highest, which means that indoor performances can't take place. Um, and that is what uh, I think far more than half the country is now in is now in tier three. So there's a, there's not much going on sadly at the moment it, it is it is odd because we've just made a, a film only a couple of weeks ago so we had rehearsals with real people there and we had a day of recording and then we were filming on location so I've got a very skewed in my you know I, I know that things have uh, we've been locked down at, at home but actually you know to to be kind of having a sustained period of actually doing something uh, does does put me in a slightly odd perspective compared to a lot of other people who quite haven't had that that opportunity maybe as well actually for me being a conductor and which everyone would love to remind me that i really do need people to make <laughs> sound in front of me so i can obviously let, let's be honest i've been very busy in in other ways online but but the ultimate thing for me is having musicians in front of me that i can make music with so you know it's a bit of a so it was when i actually get to work with people that's like oh well, as you mentioned there, Helen, you know, things in theatres aren't happening at the moment, but there is lots of stuff online. And later on, we're going to round up some of those things that you can keep yourself entertained with over the Christmas period. Um, now, one company that has announced something for the new year is the Royal Opera House. They've uh, announced a plan to return on the 13th of January with Anna Netrebko in Tosca. This was announced before London was put into, into tier three. So we'll see if this still can go ahead. Um, no other plans announced from any of the big... UK opera companies for the spring. I mean, Emma, we were talking about it there. I mean, do you, do you think it's sensible not not to announce, or is there perhaps a slight lack of ambition or imagination there? I think I think a lot is going on behind the scenes that we're not aware of, and I think it is sensible at this point not to announce um, because things change on a daily, sometimes hourly basis. Um, but I think it's I think it's I think it's great that they'll have to say, you know, we will come back when we're doing this. Um, and it's it's a very it's a classic production. I saw it a couple of years ago. Um, and it is, it's 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 very traditional, but sometimes that's that's what you want and that's what you need. And um, you know, it's Tosca, everyone, everyone loves Tosca. It's not very long, which is always good. Um, so but I think not announcing kind of gives companies a bit more flexibility because it means that they ca they could rehearse something without saying when it's on because they there are, there is a knowledge that there is such a there's such a hunger for live entertainment that you know if I was opera company x and I said oh we're putting on Carmen tomorrow people would come because they would so I think not announcing I think gives you a little bit of space breathing room to oh, not yeah. too much I agree with Emma from what I can see and hear there's a lot of things that are going on but rather than having the long traditional announcement period there's almost no point because it could end up being recorded it could end up having an audience it could end up being something totally different and, and coming back to the funding piece this is where I think the funding side's quite interesting I think from what I can see the Arts Council understanding that when they give one one grant out the basis of how that production can be delivered can change overnight so it's kind of affecting the whole web i think emma's point around having things ready and then 
people will come. So it's almost like there's a different dynamic in terms of what the communication timetable is and the way things are probably being marketed now. Yeah, I, th I think interesting what you said there, Emma, about sometimes you just want the nice traditional sort of production performance. I mean, what, what really struck me when the Royal Opera House first started doing things again is they had two online programmes, one of new works and one of works by female composers. And you thought, oh, this is really interesting from the Opera House. You know, they're really sort of pushing, you know, are we going to see something different from them? And then, you know, their first thing back in the theatre is going to be a traditional Tosca with, with Natrebko. Um, but, you know, I think, you're, I think you are quite right. We're probably in a different reality now. In September, we thought things were going to perhaps move along a bit quicker. And now it's, you know, actually, we just need superstar singer, superstar production just to help get us back on back on our feet again. Um, I mean, Helen, you know, how was how was your planning going for the for the new year? Are you able to kind of balance those ideas of getting back to to normal, but also kind of those plan Bs as well? I think I think everything's got like about up to plan Z. That's how it feels, really. <laughs> um, I can I can talk about I mean Preston Opera's kind of uh, you know based in Preston with a community chorus, but often has you know, young artists who come and sing the principal roles. And we'd, we'd been shed, supposed to have done Carmen in the summer. Um, and it, it's, it's depressing that it, we've had to keep pushing it back. However, you know, we've made a decision that um, we will do Carmen in whatever way we can, in some way, in order to have a focus and draw a line. Now, who knows what that will look like? But I'll be honest, I'm really determined that we will produce something. Um, and then actually I was down to conduct Labarum with Outreach Opera last this summer and plans are well in place for that, but it's already planned to be an outdoor production so that bearing in mind we managed to do an outdoor production la this summer, um, there's a lot of hope that actually that will work because it's just been planned to be outdoors because then it's going to happen really. Um, Again, the orchestras I'm working with, I know this is opera cast, but an orchestra was their centenary plans this year, so it's just really sad. But again, there's a real intent that we will do whatever we can. And, and this is the thing, I think people, the groups that survive are the ones who are going to be fleet-footed, think about you know, creating great things in the circumstances they've got and waiting for this perfection to return it is, is frankly going to be a little bit naive. Yeah, I mean, I think in some good news, the latest Culture Restart audience surveys has just been released this week. It's shown that more audiences are willing to pay for online content. Audiences are more confident now than they were a few months ago of returning to live theatre. More people are booking for the future. Um, but in some potentially bad news, more over 65s uh, now apparently are waiting for the vaccine before they, they go back. Um, I mean, I think the vaccine has got it's good size and it's, it's bad sides. It's obviously good because it shows us a way out of the uh, the pandemic. But, you know, in terms of the, the nearer future, it does actually mean that a lot more people are going, actually, let's just let's just wait a bit longer before we go back. Let's just wait a bit longer until we get things get things going again. So some really interesting things coming out of that survey. If you pop to the, uh, the OperaCast Twitter, you can find a link to the full results of that. Now, then, before we go into the rest of the news, we're going to go to round two of the big opera quiz of the year. <laughs> Time for my panellists to wake up again. And the next five questions. Harsh, David. <laughs> We're hanging on you every word, aren't we, Emma? <laughs> the next five questions, starting with this one, which is question six. Which singer entertained Twitter with his Alan Bennett impressions this summer? So which singer entertained Twitter with his Alan Bennett impressions this summer? Question seven. 
which contemporary artist's Maria Callas opera was put on hold due to the coronavirus this April? So which contemporary artist's Maria Callas opera was put on hold due to the coronavirus this April? Question eight. A manifesto for a real opera festival in an imaginary world was launched by which opera company? A manifesto for a real opera festival in an imaginary world was launched by which opera company? Question nine. The Deutsche Oper brought which opera to their car park in June? The Deutsche Oper brought which opera to their car park in June? And question 10. The Royal Opera House sold a painting by which artist to raise much needed funds? The Royal Opera House sold a painting by which artist to raise much needed funds? Do you get a half mark if you know the conductor for the opera one but can't remember the opera? Nope. No? Oh, he's so hard, David. He's, so, uh, he's such a tough... He's a bit like, you know, like, really, you know... Harsh. Absolutely not. And that's round two of the quiz. I don't want a lot for Christmas. There's just one thing I need. I don't care about the presents underneath the Christmas tree. I just want you for my own more than you could ever know. Make my wish come true All I want for Christmas Is you And so to finish off our news roundup, this really caught my eye recently. Longborough Festival Opera have plans for a new theatre for 2021. Their big top theatre, big old circus tent. Three operas are going to take place in the venue with the uh, performance of Die Valkyra being a concert performance in their main stage. And now what they've said is that this new space offers different and exciting possibilities for our creative teams. We can't wait to see what they come up with to draw you into the world of opera. The Big Top gives us excellent flexibility, allowing for a larger socially distanced audience than our theatre can offer. Now, Emma, this is obviously kind of a COVID response, this new theatre, but actually might something like this type of venue be the future anyway, with so much kind of flexibility built in, not just for audiences, but for creatives as well? I mean, I think this is brilliant, just from the, from the get-go. I think this is really clever thinking of Longborough. Um, I had the privilege of working for them a couple of years ago, and, you know, they've got the space, that, you know, there's a, there's a lot of grounds to that house. So I just think it's brilliant. They're like, well, if we can't, you know, we can't for sure be in the theatre, let's let's go somewhere else. Um, and yeah, and I think that that kind of thinking ahead um, is is brilliant. I'm, I'm, I'm sure that other summer festivals, um, I think Buxton are, have got various plans in motion that they could they could switch to a different venue if they need to, um, if we're still going to be have, have have restrictions. Um, and this kind of this kind of floor planning is exactly what the opera world needs. Obviously, being a summer festival, um, they've got the advantage because, well, a the weather is better, but also they all all their work happens in the summer, um, aside from their education and outreach work, which happens throughout the year. But just saying, well, we can we can plan six months ahead and COVID or no COVID, let's give it a go. Um, no, I think I think it's I think it's a brilliant idea, um, and hopefully more companies might might feel the same and do something similar. Yeah, I mean, there have been some fantastic plans I think we talked about before, but the director, Thomas Guthrie, has sort of been developing this new 
sort of pod idea that you can kind of just drop and put into different places that allows for kind of flexible outdoor performances. There's been some really fascinating stuff going on. Um, now, Helen, we directors often like to put opera into sometimes kind of less than ideal acoustic uh, venues. I mean, how much does that kind of bother you as a as a conductor? Um, you know, are we, are we forsaking the music sometimes? Is well, that... I'm, I'm a very let's get on with it kind of conductor and, and not faff around. So you've got to look at the bigger picture. If you're going to get lots of people in to a great show for the big top, I think that's fantastic. So I'm up for that. I think... And more as a conductor, the things that are frustrating is if you know this, and I can think of one example I can really think about where it was one of those starts where literally uh, with the lead soprano, you mean chew it, you start in parallel, no one's leading, it's just one of those. And, and the director really, really wanted her to like be the furthest away with the back to me, so it was virtually impossible. So little things like that, I think... <laughs> should never really happen but of course they sometimes do um but in terms of being open to new ways of working i just think we have to embrace it um providing that it, it can be done i mean i know that sometimes people have tried to say oh can you can you can the orchestra be like this almost in a way that won't help the singers so from my point of view it's almost always coming from is the singer going to be able to feel supported and be able to sing easily and hear easily and all of those things rather than putting the music on a pedestal for its own sake or just being difficult because, you know, as a conductor, sometimes people think that's a good thing, you know. <laughs> um, I kind of let up an atom, let's make it work. Yeah, and I think you said earlier, Helen, you know, that is kind of the attitude we need right now. I think those companies that are struggling are those that can only see a proscenium arch and an orchestra of 70 and a cast of... Of well, I mean, that's a great point. I mean, a, a great thing to think about in terms of, I think Scottish Opera did this in the summer. They had the cast outside, didn't they, for Bowen? Mm -hmm. And the orchestra was um, indoors, which I can imagine was a lot easier because the issues, I know rain's an issue for everybody, but obviously instruments and all the rest of it, it can be a really serious thing. Um, and obviously that was my too now, as we know, a lot of West End shows, music theatre, you know, there's a lot of technology that means everyone can just play to camera um so so you know we've got technology that didn't exist you know 50 years ago 100 years ago so i'm i'm up for it as long as we can make it all work well it is fantastic this this uh, big top have a look in the show notes you can find a link to have a look at it i say three opera is going to be presented at longborough in the big top next year now, we mentioned earlier, there's still a lot of stuff that you can watch online. Um, so if you're looking for something to entertain you over the Christmas period, we've got a few ideas. Uh, Northern Opera Group's new film version of Pauline Vito's Cinderella is available to watch now. Um, it's had so great response from critics and audiences alike, filmed on location across Leeds, available for just £5. Head over to northernopera.co.uk. Charles Court Opera, famed for their annual Panto, the King's Head Theatre, have moved it online. It includes moments where you can pick how the story is going to develop. Uh, tickets for that start from £20 from the Charles Court Opera website. And if you're looking for something, uh, dare I say, a little more highbrow, Opera San Jose have commissioned a new opera called Three Decembers uh, by the composer Jake Heggie. It stars Susan Graham. And that's available from the Opera San Jose website. There are also lots of Christmas concerts that you can stream online from companies including Opera Holland Park, Opera Brava and Northern Ireland Opera. Now, I asked 
Emma and Helen to think of some operatic Christmas gifts. Uh, if you're uh, we're one week out from Christmas when we're recording this, if you need any last minute present ideas, um, Emma, I'll, co I'll come to you first. What uh, might one like to buy for the opera of a lover in your life? Um, so I've got two ideas. Um, so one is a classic. Everyone loves a book at Christmas. Um, actually, a couple of years ago, um, my brilliant, marvellous mother-in-law gave me this really great book by Penguin called A History of Opera. It's paperback. It's by Carolyn, I think it's Abate, it could be Abate, and Roger Parker. And it's called The History of Opera. It's like the last 400 years. And it's just really, it's brilliantly done. And it's a very light touch, but it's like a proper tone. And you can kind of, you can read like a chapter and feel very knowledgeable and then want to go and listen to lots of things. So I'd highly recommend A History of Opera by Penguin. Um, but also what I think would be really great for 2020 is if you have an opera lover in your life, um, how about maybe they would want to become a friend of their favorite opera company? Because I think if we want the arts to come back, which we all do, um, the best way we can support it right now is by becoming friends of our, of our favorite companies. And I think gifts like that would be brilliant. That's a really good idea, yeah. Two excellent suggestions. Helen, what about you? Uh, well, mine's a little bit more of a longer term plan and it's not really a very exciting present. So you'd have to, I think, know the person really well. But I've got a feeling that a lot of our, if we're going to see anything over the next even six months, but even into the English summer, we're going to need to be warm. So <laughs> apparently thermals are kind of all, I mean, I live in the north, so I just wear them all the time, obviously. Um, but you know, very high-end thermals are all the rage. Um, so maybe if you've got an opera, you can get that so that when, you know, we're in the height of summer, which as we all know will be freezing, because I remember your production in August, probably the coldest day ever in, in summer. But if we ha all have our um, equipment, we can go and watch things. And also I think as performers, we're going to need those layers that we can still look good, but you know, we don't look like Michelin Man, but those high performance base layers. <laughs> That is a wonderful idea. I wonder if there's a thermal um, kind of a white tie that you can buy. I wonder if there's <laughs> something like that. I bet there so is. Someone's going to come out. Someone's going to make a fortune from that, from, from us. That's a, great, that's a great idea. And actually following on from that, uh, kind of going to the opera in the summer and it always being cold and raining. Whenever I've been to Glyndebourne, it's always been freezing cold. Um, I look at what the <laughs> Glyndebourne shop had to offer. They've got a lovely... Um, uh, Rake's Progress range from the, the David Hockney production um, and if you have got lots of money in your life there's a wonderful Rake's Progress candle you can buy for £95. They've also got some lovely scarves, handkerchiefs as well um, so uh, lots of things on the Glamour website but maybe if you've got a, a few pennies in your pocket you might be able to take a look at that. Um, one thing I didn't mention uh, when we're going through our uh, online offerings is that uh, on radio and television, there's a fair bit of opera you can enjoy this Christmas. The Royal Opera House Christmas concert is going to be on BBC Four on Christmas Day, followed by a Maria Callas documentary. So uh, at the end of the day, uh, sit yourself down in front of BBC Four, much to enjoy there. Sky Arts also have a documentary about Glyndebourne during 2020, so sure to be a fascinating insight into how they coped with the pandemic. Thinking about this year then, uh, it's been quite the uh, quite the year. Uh, Helen, I'll start with you. Uh, can you offer us a, a highlight of 2020 from your perspective, please? In some ways, because I've been st stuck at home more and I've actually seen more things by being online than I would have seen live. And also because most of my concerts were cancelled that I would have been working. So I've been kind of in when most normal people are. Um, 
So I have seen some amazing things and it's quite hard to, I think what I want to say, there's been some really interesting things like English touring opera, you know, the stuff they did for kids, like, like some of the in-depth interviews, you know, with, the, with like Holly Matheson conductors talk about the music, Opal and Park did great open week with loads of interesting content. There's been so much, you know, it's, it's hard, but in terms of watching an opera, and I watch quite a few online, in fact, I watched the entire Ring Cycle again. Because right at the beginning of lockdown, because there was there was time. Um, <laughs> but the thing that really moved me um, was Eno's Drive Live Bohem, which was streamed live from Sky Arts. And it was one of those things where I was like, oh, it's. I always say this, oh, it's Bohem. I'm not gonna, not I'm not gonna be moved. But each time I watch Bohem, I always end up, even even me, feeling a bit teary. Um, and. It, it really did get me. I think part of the thing was, because it was live, you had that feeling that you were watching it with everybody else. But then also, in, obviously the music always, I always think, oh, it's not going to get me every time it does. But then I thought Natalia's singing was just, you know, mesmerising, so, so beautiful. But there's this poignancy as well of seeing, seeing people maintaining this distance on stage that, that for me was was... You couldn't help but see it. But then the fact that so many people had come together to make the live orchestra was there. Everyone had clearly done everything they could to make this special, meaningful, almost like we are not going to be silenced. And I loved as well, I loved the street dance bit, which really worked with the Act 2 stings, because those stings are fantastic in the score. And the way it was put with the street dancing, I know some people were very sniffy about that, but... This is what we need to be doing. I, I loved it. I'd love to get my hands on that. We'll see what we can do because I'm doing Bohem this summer, but may, maybe not. Um, and then for me at the end, when you had the car horns peeping, you know, mm. what a great response. So, yeah, it, it, that was the thing that really, you know, I had the tears and the goosebumps and, yeah, for lots of different. And also I was supposed to be doing like Bohem in summer. So it kind of was like, you know, poignant. Lots of different reasons, but I really, really loved it. I did really, I did think it was a fantastic achievement, but I must say, I thought that the, the street dancing was was the only sour note in that. So. Oh, <laughs> not because I, I, I thought it was very like, like let's let's sort of try and put a cool thing in. But I mean, I'm not I'm not a hip sort of person, but I feel as though the street <laughs> dancing was. Yeah, but I'm gonna yeah, but do you think get... about twenty years ago? Uh, yeah, but like, do you? Trying to be a bit cool. Yeah, I know, but I think we've got to keep doing things. Yeah, but hang on a minute, though. Do you like, so for example, I actually quite like that kind of dance music with lots of rhythm and, you know, completely opposite <laughs> to what my day job is. So I kind of like that. And also I've done a, I did a manual Lin-Manuel Miranda um, in the Heights that had a lot of street dance in it. So for me, it's like, yay, bring it on. I just, just feel like rap. It, it was one of those where opera tries to be cool, but it's just it's just no, but, yeah. But I think you got to look beyond that. So you're being a little bit retro here and a bit old school. They're <laughs> saying by saying, "Oh, it's trying to be." Well, it's kind of you damned if you do, you damned if you don't. Hmm. Wow. <laughs> well, don't agree, to, don't agree to disagree on that one. I think Emma, your highlight for you. Um. So again, I've got two because I was thinking about uh, moments that had really. I think that have stuck with me and I think when I look when I look back on 2020 um these two kind of stood out and one is quite a private moment um and one is more public but the private one um uh in February and March I was working on Midsummer Night's Dream for Scottish Opera 
and we managed to get to the point where we ran it through we had our final run through and then in an alternative timeline we would have then moved into the theater and gone into tech week um and that final run through was on a monday morning and kind of over the weekend it was looking very obvious that everything was about to shut um but the whole company was there to watch and dream is just gorgeous anyway and in act three um when it ends with now until the break of day and you know and the kids came out and sang it and i was just incredibly moved because it had been a really the, the whole cast had just you know sung their socks off first thing on a monday morning and then it ended that beautiful beautiful um round and that was a, when i think about music in 2020 that is definitely staying with me but i'm very aware that was not um open to lots of people so slightly slightly more public moment um I went to the Opera Holland Park Operetta concert in the summer, which was gorgeous from start to finish. Um, so it was conducted by John Andrews, friend of the podcast. Um, but it finished with um, Fleur Wynn and Yvonne Howard singing the Baccarole from Tales of Hoffman. And it was just stunning. Um, so yeah, that, and that was a very, again, that has stayed in these, yeah, that has stayed with me many months later. Well, a few, a few lovely highlights to look back on there. I say it's been a it's been a very challenging year, but also lots of uplifting moments as well. Um, uh, I think one of one of my favourite moments of the year, the first Met Opera live stream concert that they did, where they tuned into different opera singers from around the world, was a fantastic achievement. Um, but the best thing about it was Roberto Alagna and um, Alexander Kurzak's uh, duet that uh, was at the very start of the program. I think they'd had quite a lot to drink. They were they were having <laughs> a, a wonderful time, and it was just a beautifully kind of silly light-hearted moment I think um it was it was it was great fun thinking about 2020 then it's time for round three of the quiz uh and so we're now on to question 11. Talking about English National Opera's Drive and Live Lab OM uh, can you tell me which venue the production took place at? You know's Drive and Live Lab OM took place at which venue? Question 12. Glyndebourne turned to which composer for their outdoor summer performances? So Glyndebourne turns to which composer for their outdoor summer performances? Sticking with Glyndebourne, uh, we spent a wonderful few days at the Glyndebourne Opera Cup earlier this year. And um, but which voice type uh, was the uh, was the winner of this year's Opera Cup? So the singer that won, what voice type were they? Question fourteen: What was the highest ranking opera in this year's Classic FM Hall of Fame? So every Easter, Classic FM have the top three hundred uh, people's favorite classical music. Uh, tunes. Uh, so what was the highest ranking opera in this year's Classic FM Hall of Fame? Mm, that, that's, a, that's a tricky one, Matt, I think. Because mm. it cut, I'm just, I, I, I don't know if we're allowed to confer, but in the spirit of Christmas, because it could, it could be the orchestral <laughs> overture that makes it to the top in that. Oh, we're getting a nod from David there, Emma. Yeah, some, some, sometimes <laughs> it's a whole opera that is in the Hall of Fame. Is sometimes, it? Sometimes mm -hmm. it's it, a favourite favorite song. So, I'll, well, I'll give you a, a hint. It's not Carl, but something like that. Okay, thank you. Something like the Habanera might say be in the Hall of Fame. Yeah. And that would right. have Carmen. So it could be a really, could be a really famous song, or it could be a whole opera. Um, and actually, mm -hmm. one of um, one of my favourite quizzes we've done on OperaCast was uh, quite a long time ago now. Um, but we we got uh, Matthew Eberhardt, the director, and Lorna James, the soprano, to name all of the operas in the Classic FM Hall of Fame, um, which was a great quiz. I had to cut it down by about 30 minutes in the edit because of the uh, very long pauses as I thought of, uh, of <laughs> right. 
quite a quiz. I quite like that one. Um, and finally, for round three, Jonas Kaufmann's indisposition meant that which British singer stepped into his shoes for the Royal Opera's Fidelio, which was broadcast on the BBC earlier this year. So Jonas Kaufmann's indisposition meant that which British singer stepped into his shoes for the Royal Opera's Fidelio, which was broadcast on the BBC earlier this year. And that is the end of round three. So that so there's another round. There is one final round at the very end. This, of this. this is a mega quiz, isn't it? <laughs> it's a, it's a quiz mega it? quiz. I think it, am I being punished because I always complain about the quiz? <laughs> um, I, don't think, no. I mean, I know I, I say this every month, but I don't think this quiz is that hard. Because <laughs> you have the questions. <laughs> um now throughout today's pod you'll have heard some wonderful perhaps for all the wrong reasons versions of popular christmas songs by opera singers last christmas from the uh vienna new year's uh day concert a few years ago sleigh ride from the three tenors and of course everyone's favorite song of 2020 jonas kaufman's all i want for christmas is you now helen opera singers we can obviously do carols very well you know, we're in safe territory when it comes to bashing out some carols. And um, but should you, we you just stick it? Yeah, because you, you're sticking with singing on the beat. <laughs> That's why. Yeah, give give a classical pianist <laughs> one of those pop songs piano books, and it just sounds it sounds abysmal because you know all the rhythms are completely wrong. Um, <laughs> should we admit defeat in trying to edge into the you know the Christmas pop music market? Should opera just give up? Stick to what we know. This is a really interesting thing because. I was just thinking about this, and I'm sure Emma will know. I actually do know singers who can sing what I call uh, Gershwin and, and that side of musical theatre, and they can sing what we would call our classical opera. And yes, they sing the, that type of repertoire with their operatic voice, but it's adjusted, and they can basically, it, it boils down to how they got that ability to swing and basically sing to the backbeat. And I think the problem is the ones that uh, we often hear are the ones who don't, who can't find that backbeat, a bit like some oboists. Um, <laughs> oh, I know, so I'm offended the ranks of oboists, but not all oboists, but it does, and, and some string players, and I can say that because I, I am a string player, but it, it's been able to sing off, off the beat, isn't it, and across the beat. Mm -hmm. And it does seem that that articulation for some of our opera singers they don't have whether it's to do with onsets and things like that i don't know um but so what i'm saying is i do know some opera singers who would be able to do it but they never seem to be the people who make these these amazing i, I just oh can we comment on a few just while we're here you certainly can do yeah I just, I just loved um the three tenors, how they always went, yeah, 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 and you could hear the orchestra going, oh, God, why are you rallying every time? They just wanted to make such a big moment of that. Yeah. Oh, it was so funny. And then... British, British oh. singers are often maligned for their sort of, um, uh, you know, kind of when they, when they sing in Italian or French or whatnot. But actually, I think a lot of the time when non-English speaking singers sing in English, that often seems to be a bit more of a, bit more of a problem. I, I think I've said this before on the pod, but... There's a really great opera by Albinev, Merlin, um, as in the uh, the King Arthur legend. But it's an all Spanish cast, and it's right. it's English language opera. But you cannot make out a single word on that sort of. But, but how hour. often is that happening the other way around? That that's what I always say whenever I hear English and the vowels, and I just think about what we're talking about. Of you know, vowel sounds in Italian, French, German, and the rest of it. How how must we really sound to 
to native speakers the other way around because you're right it's quite interesting listening to some of that yeah Pavlov's yeah. uh sing his sort of ing vowel is very interesting on that uh, on that sleigh ride recording i'd be interested to know actually if there are any listeners who studied at a, at a um non-uk conservator how much time do you spend mm. kind of learning singing in, in in english language which obviously in opera is uh you know kind of far less done than italian or, yeah well or and also you've got the other issue is probably most uh, european singers will are probably likely to learn american english rather than british english so then if they're coming back to sing british english in Britain, how does that work? So that's fascinating. The other thing that was fascinating, are we going to talk about the Jonas one or are you going to? <laughs> well, I'll, 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 and then I'll, I'll shut up and let uh, Emma like ruin a career yeah. by slagging people. If a critical appraisal, then the copyright doesn't matter. If we're, if we're reviewing it, then it's fine. So, um, <laughs> yeah, so um, review, Helen, what, great. what was really interesting is the, the first bit where he, he did what I would call the classic Rex Harrison in My Fair Lady. Oh, and yes. Spoke the opening. In, in some, yes. I mean, yeah, I'm not going to say any more. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's pretty special. It also launched like a thousand memes. Just, it felt like, like two days, classical world Twitter and classical world Facebook. It was just government everywhere. Um, yeah, it's not not his finest outing. Uh, and actually, there's, there's a lot of that album that's a bit ropey. I'm going to say it now, even when he's doing the classical stuff. Um, I mean, Emma, what's your Christmas playlist of, of, of choice? If you're putting on some Christmas tunes to get Christmassy, are you a, a, a more modern kind of pop? Are you a carols? What, what's your kind of Christmas? I'm so pleased you asked, David, because genuinely one of my favourite Christmas songs is is sort of a crossover. So it's um, it's quite a terrible title, which so it, took me, it took me years to work out what my favourite Christmas song was because I couldn't find it. Anyway, it's called I Believe in Father Christmas. Terrible title. It's by Greg Lake. It's from the 70s. And um, in between each verse, you get a big chunk of Troika, the Prokofiev. Um, it's on radio too all the time. Um, and it starts with, like, I think it's just guitar. And by the end of the third verse, it's a full orchestra just blasting out Troika. Um, and it's gorgeous, but it's like proper, proper bit of like very wintry classical music. Um, so I love that. Um, obviously, big fan of the Buble, because why, why not? Um, Joe Stilgo has a very good Christmas album. Seth MacFarlane, surprisingly, has a very good Christmas album. So I kind of tend towards kind of the more of a crooning Christmas than a classical Christmas. <laughs> yeah, I mean, one of the uh, one of my favourites actually is um, I love a bit of Indulce Jubilo, but there's a very uh, a not very well known arrangement by Charles Macaras, um, which is if you want to like just really just bash out Christmas, turn the volume up to, you know, up to 100. Charles Macross is in Dutcher Jubilo. There's a recording with Elizabeth Schwarzkopf on uh, on Spotify. Uh, uh, but there's an even better recording by the cast of Phantom of the Opera. Um, <laughs> I will admit to it's far superior than Elizabeth Schwarzkopf's. But it is just big um, orchestral classical, um, you know, oh, it's just fantastic. Um, so do search for that. Macross's um, in Dutcher Jubilo is fantastic. <laughs> Hey, 
Helen, can we go from the ridiculous to the sublime, please? You are going to choose our hidden gem opera for this. What is something we should uh, we should all be listening to if we're we're tired of uh, classical crossover Christmas singles? Well, I was about to say it's maybe not as so hidden a gem as it as it was. Um, so it featured uh, Lenny Henry did a super. Uh, documentary, I think, about autumn time, you know, exploring repertoire from black composers in a, in a great program, and it got uh, some featured on that. And basically, it's uh, Joplin's Tree Manisha. And uh, again, usual, really sad story that he really, really wanted to produce some great African American opera, funded it himself, um, funded the piano vocal score, I think, had something like a concert performance. I don't even. I, it never even got an orchestration. I think the orchestration has been lost. I think sadly all of Joplin's papers, a lot of them just disappeared. Um, but I think it was rediscovered um, in some like 1970s and it got performed and it won the Pulitzer posthumously for Joplin. But again, it's it's a real opera and obviously everyone will think, oh, it's just the ragtime, but it's composed with a lot of great arias, you know, overture and, in, you know, the classic building blocks of opera and you know some really moving songs and actually a really good storyline about education and how you know a really strong uh, leading lady character who leads her people and is earns respect and is going to do great things for the community so again quite a positive story for opera rather than usual kind of flimsy things that can sometimes um come up but it's um of course, I feature. I think we're going to feature the Act Three finale. Is that right, David? We can feature whatever you want to feature, Helen. Yeah. So, um, and, and that's the finale. But it's um, that's got a little bit of the right time. But it's again, there's so much work that needs to be done to get all this music out there and played and listened to. So, um, we did actually do a bit of this online with Preston Opera with the choruses. We, we did like an online uh, series leading to kind of a concert online, and it's really good to do something different. Um, and I think people enjoy it. Um, it's actually got choreography as well written into the piano vocal score. Um, obviously, I wasn't I wasn't obviously um, qualified to, to teach that, so you could kind of do Zoom choreography going left and then going right. <laughs> but you know, I, I I know my place, so I didn't get too much into choreography. But definitely worth listening. The whole opera is is um, on YouTube by Houston Grand Opera, I think, as well. Well, fantastic choice. So at Helen's request, here is the Act Three finale. So to end the podcast, it's time for the end of the quiz before we reveal the answers. So your final five questions, Emma, Helen and listeners, are these. Question 16. Who joined English National Opera as their new artistic director this year? So who joined English National Opera as their new artistic director earlier this year? The new Royal Opera House chairman, David Ross, made his millions with which company? So the new chairman of the Royal Opera House, David Ross, made his millions with which company? Question 18. Which opera company sang at this year's FA Cup final? So which opera company sang at this year's FA Cup final? Question 19. Which opera was the inspiration behind a Battenberg cake on this year's Great British Bake Off? 
So which opera was the inspiration behind a Battenberg cake on this year's Great British oh, Bake? Yes, yes. <laughs> All coming back. <laughs> and to end, opera is to the south as to what is to the north, according to the Member of Parliament, Jake Berry. So opera is to the south as to what is to the north, according to the MP, Jake Berry. I will try not to rise to that one. Mm. <laughs> and that's your offer quiz of the year. That's 20 questions. Um, I'll let you mark your own sheets because uh, for ease. Um, so I'll trust you. I'll trust you. Oh, I know we can't exactly do it. We should do that. You know, in school, we should have done that thing, you know, when you pass it, pass it to your dad. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Well, unfortunately, you're probably about 250 miles away. I know. From other, so it's I know. And actually, we, you know, then we'd have to like disinfect the paper and, you know, and all of that. So very quickly, going through the answers then. So which company started 2020 abroad in a row over their Great Britain marketing campaign? Royal Opera House. It was yeah. the Royal Opera Which singer blocked OperaCast on Twitter following early 2020 controversy? Nutrepco. It wasn't Nutrepco, no. It was Placido. It was Placido Domingo. And... That's quite a thing to get blocked by. I mean, I... Yeah, I mean, there's a lot. There's a lot of people not showing a lot of love for Pasto Domingo, so there's a few people. That's got yeah. the ultimate Twitter wrath. Um, so two world-renowned singers sang Verte from their home. Uh, name either of them. Joyce. Joyce Donato was one. Yeah. Bezala was the second one. Nah, sorry. Uh, so it's, you just needed one. Singer. Which company commissioned a feast in the time of plague? Garfield. Yeah, is it Garfington? It was Grange Park. Oh, geez. I knew it. <laughs> it, was a, it was one of the G's. Oh. Yeah, there's a few yeah. G's. Yeah, uh, it was Grange Park Opera. Uh, so Phyllis Brissenden uh, lived a very simple life, but she left $45 million in her will to which North American opera company? Is it Chicago? I said Chicago. No, it was one of the, one of the kind of the smaller ones. It was the Opera Theatre of St. Louis. So I, I thought Chicago, but actually, actually, think about it, Chicago's nearly Midwest, isn't it? Possibly. I don't know. Well, we both got it wrong. Wait, yeah. that, 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 that was, that was the things are not looking yeah. good from my end, Emma. Oh, How about you? Two. 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 Question six. Which singer entertained Twitter with his Alan Bennett impressions? Yeston Davis. Yeston Davis. That one. Which artist Maria Callas opera was put on hold early this year? No idea. Kanye West, I'm just guessing because he kept making operas at the beginning. Sadly, it wasn't Kanye West, but I'm waiting <laughs> for his, his next opera. It was Marina Abramovich. So the very oh, famous, right. Performance what, Abram, uh, Abramovich, Chelsea? No, it was in Marina oh. Abramovich. She's, um, oh, sorry. <laughs> There's me thinking football. Performance artist. Totally living up to my northern stereotype there. <laughs> <laughs> uh, a manifesto for real opera festival in the imaginary world was launched by which company? Nah. I, I put Canadian opera company. It was Ted's Tet. Oh, dear. Uh, oh, I should, knew should that. Yeah. Should, can yeah. I just say, there are some of these that I know I genuinely don't know, but there's somewhere I know they've passed the, You know when you scroll, and it's just... So I'm going to not scroll. I'm going to improve for my account. <laughs> this, this is 12, 12 months of questions, so, uh, you know, it's about, about <laughs> trying to unlock what you learned about eight months ago. Um, the Deutsche Opera brought which opera to their car park in June? Uh, Figaro. Fidelio. That's Ryan Gold. Ah. Was it Daniel Daniel Harding conducted that today? I could be wrong. Pass, but there's no there's no extra point. <laughs> We're not doing well on this one. 
I'm hoping that this last one saves me my blushes. The Royal Opera saw the painting by which artist to raise funds? Hockers. I put Picasso. Hockney. The David Hockney. It was the Hockney, damn it. That was my second choice. Love OM took place at which venue? Alice. Glyburn, Glyburn, Glyburn. Turn to which composer for that outdoor summer performances? Offenbach. It was Offenbach. Well done. Good. Uh, so the singer that won this year's Glyburn Opera Cup was which voice type? Got a one. It. I'm going to guess soprano. I guess baritone. Baritone. It was. Uh, <laughs> I, I can't figure. You know, there's never any tenors. There's never any mezzos. So. <laughs> baritone. The highest ranking opera in this year's Classical Opera Hall of Fame. Magic Figaro. That's also what I put. It was the Magic Flute. Oh! Number 16. We... Number 16. Was it the Overture? It was the whole thing. The whole thing. whole thing? See, I didn't know that was possible. That's quite. I'm quite astounded by that. That's yeah. interesting to know. Give me something to look at when we're finished. Do we not get like half a mark for being like in sync with our working out of answers that are wrong? Absolutely yeah. not. Um... <laughs> Jonas Kaufman stepped down from Fidelio, so which singer took his place? David Buckphillip. David Buckphillip. David Buck Artistic Director of English National Opera, question 16. Uh, so it's An Annalise. Miss Common. Yes, that's how you it. It is indeed. The new Royal Opera Chairman, David Ross, made his millions with which company? I want to say Carphone Warehouse, but I'm not the just founder of the Carphone Warehouse. Very good. Wow, I can't believe I got that. That is totally fluky. Um, and and actually David Ross actually bought that David Hockney painting from the Royal oh, House, yeah. and then has loaned it back. So um, very nice. Seems, so we'll, we'll get to see there, it when but, we're there. Yeah. yeah. Uh, which opera company sang at this year's FA Cup final? You know. It was British Youth Opera. Oh, that's a, that's that, I missed that. Which opera was the inspiration behind a Battenberg cake on this year's Great British Bake Off? Magic flute. That was the magic flute. Yeah. Well. And opera is to the south as to what is for the north, according to Jake Berry. Football. Football. Very right. good. Uh, so uh, this is dreadful. This is dreadful out of twenty. Put off your scores. Yeah, but it's really bad. Like literally, I would like be. I wouldn't even. Yes, it's. I, I, do we have to say it out loud? You can keep, you can keep complaining, Helen, but it's not going to change. It. <laughs> uh, Emma. Tells your score. I have a very respectable 10. Very 10? Respectable 10. Yeah. Helen. Two, three, four, five, six, seven. Seven. Well, so awful. bravo, Emma. To be honest, it was, it was round two that scuppered me. Yeah, round two was horrible. Round two, and then uh, to be honest, I, yeah. That, well, congratulations. That is a horrible folks. score. There's, there's your little review of 12 months of, of, of opera. <laughs> Um, congratulations, Emma. Um, I don't think we'd even be passing GCSEs or A-levels with our percentages, though, to be fair. So <laughs> I'm not sure what that says. Good it was, job it's not league tables. Tricky trying to trying to unlock all of that that's been going on over the past 12 months. But that's there's a little a little rundown of what we've uh, what's been entertaining us this year. Um, a huge thank you, of course, to uh, Emma for joining us. Thank you, Emma. Thank you so much for having me, David. And lovely to see you again, Helen. Yeah, it's been really nice. Yeah, I think last time we did it, we were actually, I was in person. I think you were just... Yeah. Like, this is quite nice because you, you see each other more in a weird way. Yeah. I like your pans as well, for those people. Thank you, everyone. Uh, just just like, just... you know, I also hang my pans like that in the kitchen. It saves a lot of room in cupboards, doesn't it? 
this is the one good view in my house. So all my Zoom meetings since March have been here because I'm like, look, I can have a nice kitchen. <laughs> well, no, I've just taken a screenshot so everyone at home can see the wonderful pans. Um, thank you. Thank you, Helen, and a very Merry Christmas. Thank you for joining us. Pleasure. And thank you to all of you listeners who've been listening throughout the year. Thank you to all of our guests uh, that we've had as well. Uh, Elizabeth Llewellyn, Waspi Carney, Daniel Oren, uh, loads and loads of people who've, who've joined us this year. It's been fantastic. Thank you very much indeed. Hope you all have a lovely, merry, operatic Christmas. Um, and uh, to play us out, let's have a little bit more Jonas Kaufman, shall we? Oh, baby, all I want for Christmas